Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Movember Radio. I'm Osha Gensberg. Thank you so much for being here. This is a weekly conversation about men's health and the issues that men face today. Movember is a community of over 5 million men and women right around the world who are passionate about changing the face of men's health. And each week on this show, we have a discussion with someone from that community. You can find out more about Movember by searching Movember on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram, and subscribe to this show to make sure you never miss an episode. Today's guest is Kieran Ryan. Now, Kieran actually works with the Movember Foundation development team. In fact, he came to work there after his tireless, tireless fundraising efforts that you'll hear about in this show. Kieran's from Stall in country Victoria, uh, which is in Australia, and Stall is famous for a running race, which happens each and every Easter, and running most definitely plays a part in Kieran's story. Kieran has lost a few friends to suicide, which I'll let him describe to you, but this is a, a bit of a heavy one, I do have to say. To help process what happened and to raise money for Movember, Kieran and his friends got together and they ran 100 kilometres, but he didn't stop there. Kieran, such a passionate supporter of Movember, he entered a competition and won the chance to hike the Kokoda Trail with Kirk Fernley, who has been on this show before. This is quite an inspiring conversation. It gets heavy in parts, I will warn you that, but it's well worth a listen. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy this conversation with Kieran Ryan. Let's kick this off. How are you doing, Kieran? Very good, Osha, mate. Very good. Thank you. Well, um, well I'm glad, glad to hear it. For folks who are listening from all over the world, can you uh, tell us where you are right now? Sitting at, uh, in Melbourne at Mo HQ, uh, the moustache factory, as we, uh, we like to call it here. The, and what, uh, what do you do there? You, uh, you have a fairly highfalutin kind of role, don't you? Yeah, so uh, I guess I, I like to say I've got one of the funnest roles here at Movember. I uh, work in our development team, so I'm out and about. Uh, with our corporate community and now our wider community of Mo Bros and Mo Sisters. So I have the uh, the very fun job of talking about moustaches and how those moustaches start conversations uh, that are helping to change the, the uh, face of men's health. Now, uh, there are a few people in within the Movember upper echelons of, of how, of you know, the structure of how it works who are year-round Mo Bros. Yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, they certainly are year-round Mo Bros. And uh, what's it like to, to wear the Mo from, you know, all the way to October 31st? Yeah, we, uh, it's weird. It's a weird one, Osha, to be honest. There's, uh, you know, there's no, nothing written in contracts to say that we, uh, we need to have a moustache 12 months <laughs> of the year. But 
I like to think I uh, look 10% better looking with a moustache, so I like to roll mine year round. Got it, got it. Now, you uh, you didn't always work for Movember, did you? Where did you, uh, how did you first come to be involved with Movember, Kieran? Yeah, um, interesting story, and I guess it's a... Uh, it's weird to think where my moustache journey started um, and how I now work for uh, the Movember Foundation. So I'm from a very small country town uh, in rural Victoria uh, called Stall. So home of the Stall Easter gift. You may have heard of it. It's a famous foot race. So I started Movember as uh, a bit of a piss take, to be honest, with a few friends um, just to see who could grow moustaches and who couldn't. To be honest, I don't think we even registered in our first year and I'm pretty sure we didn't raise any funds, which... Uh, yeah, the guys at MoHQ listening to this are probably going to uh, give me a rap over the knuckles for. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't until uh, 2009 I'd uh, been working overseas in America at a, a summer camp program and had come home and was about to move move in with one of my uh, my good mates. And I was working at, a, at Woolworths at the time at a supermarket and he came in, uh, came in to, to say good day as he like quite often would. He was a chef, so he'd work the lunch and then he'd work the dinner. And he came in between the two shifts. And as for the week after I'd come home from America and we hadn't caught up yet, and he came in and said, you know, we need to put some time in the diary and, and catch up, mate, you know, whether it be over a game of FIFA or a few beers or something. So that was hunky-dory and I didn't think anything of it. And looking back, it was very odd that he would never say goodbye to each other and he said goodbye. So two hours later, uh, two very close friends of mine, they came into the supermarket and, and asked the question, have I heard about Mark? And I was thinking to myself, uh, Mark, I've got no idea what you're talking about. I saw him two hours ago. And they had said to me that they had heard that Mark had taken his life. And to be, to be a 21-year-old that had just come back from uh, a trip of a lifetime, so to speak, first time really overseas, working in another country, it was their summer so, you know, living and working in board shorts, just having an amazing time and thinking that how good is life? Life is life is pretty tip top and it's awesome and it uh, should be lived to the fullest. So to have these two close friends talk to me um, and tell me that they had heard that Mark had taken his life had hit me like a ton of bricks. So I picked up my phone and rang one of Mark's best friends and he answered the phone and I, I literally said the words, is it true? And he obviously broke down, started crying, uh, and then I started crying. Um, and it was the first time that I had experienced death outside of my family, um, besides a, a, a grandparent who was at the later stages of their life. So to see a friend in his 20s that was so young um, had made that decision to take his life was something that really, really rocked me. Um, and up until this date, I'd never heard of depression or anxiety, and they weren't in, they weren't in my vocabulary. They weren't something that were common or um, spoken about regularly, especially in a small rural town. So that that led into uh, that led into Movember, and that's probably the the time that Movember became such an important part, I guess, in my life and my friend's life as well, as we used that as a way of honouring honouring a friend who um, who had an issue with mental health uh, and who did take his life uh, because of it. So from 2009, that was the real turning point to when the moustache became uh, so important, I guess you could say, in, in my life, Osha. Well, I'm 
I'm sorry to hear that you came into it through such a tragedy for, for you and, and your community. And obviously a small town, everyone is quite close and it would have been very difficult. How did you and your friends cope? Because I, I, I know that uh, suicide in rural parts of Australia, at least, is, is among young males is quite uh, a problem. It's quite an issue. How did you and your, your, your close friends cope with this? Did you have any skills at all? What did you do? Well, in terms of skills, um, you know, we were young men and, as we know, men aren't the best at talking about uh, their feelings, um, and let alone the, the the death of a close friend. And I think what what helped us get through that one was the the outlet that we used, I guess, to grieve and, and to honour Mark, uh, which was November growing a moustache because it gave us a common cause that we could talk about, which then opened up the conversations about mental health and about how staying socially connected to each other was so important and the we, it really planted the seed that we could actually talk about anything we wanted to with each other and nothing was nothing was off the radar nothing was off topic everything was acceptable and now whether that was you know you've had a bad day at work or you had a, a fight with your girlfriend whatever it may be that the our core group of friends were always there for each other and i think that was that was really cemented in 2012 had a, an, another close friend, Osher, and it's uh, it's sad to think that um, from such a, a core group of friends or such a close group of friends that we experienced two friends that had taken their lives in the space of three years. Liam was was twenty three. He was another another very good friend of ours who um, who had chronic fatigue and also um, suffered depression because of that chronic fatigue. And I remember it was a Sunday night. And uh, I was down in I was in Melbourne for the weekend and went to uh, went to check my phone and I had 48 missed calls and I thought wow it's a Sunday night I'm sitting on a couch watching 60 minutes uh, with a girlfriend at the time and I've got 48 missed calls from a variety of my mates and I thought look at the contrast I'm watching 60 minutes and the boys are out on the town having a, a cracking night um, but I couldn't have been more it, that couldn't have been more wrong um, if I tried so I listened to a voice message and uh, one of my close friends had had said in his voice message that we need to call him. Um, there's something has happened with Liam. So I jumped on the phone and spoke to my friend and he had, had given me the news that Liam had taken his life. So Liam, he, uh, it was a few days before his, his daughter's second birthday and he had actually uh, walked out in front of a train and, and taken his life. And to think that two people that we were so close with both suffering very similar um, issues being the, the mental health issues um, and depression issues, that still that, that stigma, the, the conversations weren't um, being had uh, within our group was something that, that really shocked us because, you know, Liam was, he was present to the conversations regarding Mark and it was something that really it brought the boys together. It was something that made us sit up and, and take a stance and say, you know what, this shouldn't be happening. We're in our 20s. We're in the prime of our lives and this shouldn't be happening, one, to us. It shouldn't be happening to my friends. It shouldn't be happening to your friends and it shouldn't be happening to men in general. So we banded together and uh, had decided to do something that would, one, get a little bit of local media attention, get people talking uh, and hopefully give those guys that were battling a mental health issue or guys in a hospital ward um, getting treated for, you know, a, a cancer or 
whatever it may be, um, you know, the belief that they could continue on with those fights. So I had decided I was going to run 100 kilometres in the name of uh, in the name of men's health in November. And the the thing that made me decide to do that the next day after uh, the day after Liam took his life as a group, we all went around to his partner's house and and we were sitting there and you know what what do you say? There's his partner there, Belinda, and you're trying to be strong for her and you're trying to be strong for yourself and to be strong for your friends. And her daughter walked out and she was playing on uh, she was playing on her iPhone. And she stopped at a photo of Liam and she said, mum, mum, where's dad? And that's something that I will always remember. And I will never, I will never forget that because there was five to six of us there. And thank, thank God we had our sunglasses on because every single one of us were crying. And I thought, you know what? This is not right. There is a little girl here whose father is no longer here. And Belinda being the strong mother and woman and now my sister, that she is handled that question like a rock star that left us that left us speechless. So the the idea to do something you know something massive like a hundred kilometer run you know and raise funds and raise awareness. The boys were they were onto it like I don't know what like uh, a fly to a, a cow dung in a paddock or something. I'm sure I don't know. We can we can say white on rice. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. They were. Uh, Mate, they're unbelievable. Um, they said, mate, we're not as mad as you. We're not going to run the whole 100K, but what we will do is run portions of the journey with you. And before I knew it, I had a minibus of, of 12 friends uh, full, and, and these friends were people that had known both Mark and Liam uh, and wanted to contribute in, in some way. And, you know, it was amazing to see the, the small community um, of Stall and also Ararat and the surrounding area get behind, uh, get behind this charity run because it was something that, you know, it certainly tested me as an individual. Um, it certainly took me to, to places where I have never been as mentally low as I was running that 100 kilometres and it took me to places that were very physically challenging. And, you know, if, uh, if someone's suffering a mental health issue, uh, you know, could pick up the paper or hear on the radio that, you know, this guy, this so-called fit and healthy guy is prepared to put himself through 12 hours of, of pain and exhaustion in the hope to give them a little bit of inspiration to continue to take that one step forward in their battle, um, in their men's health journey, then then we've done our, yeah, we've done our job, Osha. So in the lead up to this run, so you guys are now one or two, three years past the first tragedy that befell your, your crew of guys. What were you saying to the younger guys around you that you were coming in contact with, like younger brothers, younger mates at work? Yeah, we, um, we were very proactive about it and we were going into schools um, and sporting groups and talking. Um, you know, now, what we were talking about, to look back, we were simply just talking to boys about talking um, and getting them to feel comfortable about opening up about whatever issues they may, they may, you know, they may be facing. And it was something where we would literally just say, you know what? It is okay to go to your parents and, and say that you may, you know, you get caught wagging. Totally fine. Just be honest about it. There is nothing in life that is so bad or there's nothing that you, you know, that you've done that is so, so wrong that you can't talk to somebody about it. And we really focused on getting guys to, to talk to their friends and to talk to those, those peers around them and even to you know, strengthen those relationships with their mates and especially with their dads um, and their male role models uh, in their life. Now, it might have been an under-16 footballer that really idolised one of the senior players. So we were encouraging them to talk 
to those guys, make those relationships and take that, uh, I guess, that fear of opening up and maybe showing that you're not this, you know, super hard, tough man that society projects on us that we need to be all the time. You know, it's okay to have a chink in your armor because we're all human. And and certainly, and I'm sure, just to clarify two things, wagging is an Australian word for not going to school. <laughs> it's not anything else if you're listening yeah, in another country. Yeah. Um, but certainly, and I'm sure it's the same in, in, in rural areas all over the world, is that I guess the further you get from a metropolitan centre, the harder you're expected to be. Yeah, um, couldn't agree more. Yeah, <laughs> could not agree more. You know, you wear, uh, you wear a skinny leg uh, pair of jeans and, <laughs> maybe uh, roll them up at the bottom or you do your top button up and you look that differently. So, yeah, you know, that's not uh, that's not blokey bloke, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, tough, man. So this isn't the only physical, uh, only physical challenge that you've done in, in the name. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Of November, you have uh, you also uh, you went on quite a mission with uh, another November Radio alumni, Kurt Fernley, didn't you? I certainly did. I uh, had the the opportunity, I guess, and the privilege and just the luck. I uh, November and Kurt ran a competition. Uh, we won Mobro in two thousand and fifteen. Would win the opportunity to go and hike the Kokoda Trail, and hey, I was very fortunate enough. Lucky, maybe not so lucky after uh, spending nine days out on the trail. Um, yeah, to be to be drawn out of a, a hat to go over and uh, hike the Kokoda Trail and yeah, celebrate the hundredth year uh, anniversary um, over in in Isirava in Papua New Guinea. So, for folks who don't know who who Kurt Fernley is, um, could you could you <laughs> could you describe him? But if I could describe Kurt in one word or two words, it'd be dead three words. Dead set legend. He. Uh, He's unbelievable. He's a, a multiple-time Paralympic gold medalist. He's won uh, the hardest yacht race in Australia, the Sydney to Hobart. Uh, he's won multiple wheelchair marathons around the world. He's won New York, Chicago, um, London. He is one of the guys 
he's just a dead set good dude. He's an absolute legend. Um, and he has a, a personality that is so inviting and a, a nature around him that, you know, you, you meet him for five minutes and it feels like you've known him for your whole life, which uh, you would know he's just, uh, he's a character. Now, when you're uh, hiking on the Kokoda Trail or the Kokoda Track or whatever you'd like to refer to it as, and you're thinking, oh man, it's a hot day and my legs hurt and I've got calluses and you look down and there's Kurt Fernley crawling. Yeah. What do you think? What goes through your head? Yeah, you think that uh, you need to toughen up a little bit. Um, <laughs> and to be honest, you know, Kurt, uh, so Kurt raced the Boston Marathon two days before joining us in, in Papua New Guinea. So the guy has just smashed himself um, at an elite marathon uh, and then flies into Isuraba, joins us for the last two days and starts crawling. He's not conditioned. He's not, uh, he'd done no prep in terms of uh, hiking the trail. And to meet a bloke uh, that's just so mentally and physically tough where nothing gets him down, nothing literally beats him. And uh, it was a a breath of fresh air almost to be able to spend that time with him out there on the trail because you were buggered um, and you look at Kurt and he's just smile on his face, happy as Larry, just getting the job done. As, a, as someone who has run a marathon or two, I certainly draw on those, you know, maybe last five miles, last eight Ks when I'm having a tough day and remind yeah. myself that it's, it's okay, all I have to do is put one foot in front of the other or metaphorically in this moment, just yeah. do this task and then that task and I can see the finish line up ahead. And I'm very grateful to have that experience that I can draw upon. How much of a superpower is it to walk away knowing that you've spent uh, that many days hiking through the jungle and through the mud and, and made it out the other side? Uh, mate, it's amazing to draw on, to be honest. And it's something, uh, even running ultra marathons and, and then hiking the Kokoda Trail is something that you, you just apply to everyday life. Uh, you know, it might get to 3 p.m. in the afternoon and you're sitting at your desk and you're like, oh, I've got two hours to go. Uh, but you just think, you know what, this is pretty crazy. Um, in an air-conditioned office, I can walk and get a cup of tea. I'm not in the middle of a jungle sweating. Uh, <laughs> I haven't got heat rash. I haven't got blisters. I'm not swatting mosquitoes. And I haven't got mud that stinks stuck all over me. And uh, I'm going to get to have a shower at the end of the night. Well, I couldn't do that out in uh, the jungle of Papua New Guinea, that's for sure. How good's gratitude? <laughs> like, gratitude's amazing. And it's such, a, uh, <laughs> such a, a humbling experience. There was a, uh, <clears throat> a moment there on the Kokoda Trail where Kurt had joined us. We'd just had our, um, our Anzac Day service at Isuraba. And our group got split up. So it got split into, into two. There was myself a guy by the name of Matt Sharkey, who was one of Kurt's best mates from uni, Kurt, uh, the gentleman that owned the, the tour company, the trekking company we were with, the group got split up. They were missioning onto Kokoda. They're like, you beauty, it's the home straight. We're almost home here. And what they did was they, where we were meant to have lunch, the first group rolled in, had lunch, took off. By the time we got into where we were having lunch, well, the kitchen had packed up. There was no lunch for us. So we literally had been out for six hours at this stage, no lunch, roll into this village. It's pouring down with rain, no nothing, not a, not a skerrick, not a cracker on the table. So we pull into this little makeshift hut. I put like maybe a handful of peanuts on the table. I think Kurt put in some of those, uh, some sort of like a Tim Tammy sort of biscuit. So we literally divided these rations and we're like, right, this is all we've got until we can get to... Uh, until we can get to, to Kokoda. And then we move on to that. We start walking. We're all laughing, you know, like, have a look at us. Like, how bad is this? We're literally eating, uh, eating fumes here to, to get us there. We've probably got six hours to go. And it's amazing to see the, the generosity um, of the people in Papua New Guinea that don't, have, um, that don't have a great deal. 
you know, here's us in these expensive hiking boots, you know, tops that are meant to breathe that don't breathe, we're sweating, um, and these, you know, well-to-do packs. And we roll into this next village and somehow down the, the trail grapevine, they had heard that we hadn't had lunch. So we walk into this village and this lady is guiding us. She says, come, come, come with us, come with us. So we get guided into, into this hut and they've got a, a pot of boiling water in there. She's like, please sit down, sit down. So we take our bags and everything off. And this lady had heard that we hadn't eaten. And she, she brings us into this hut, sits us down. And she said, you know, have you got cups? So we, we pull out some cups and she's like, oh, I've got Milo. I can get you some Milo to get you guys warm. And I'm thinking, Milo, you beauty. I'm usually a Nesquik man, but I'll, I'll go for a bit of Milo at the moment. And uh, yeah, she, she reaches out this old rusty tin of Milo. I'm not sure how much rust and how much was Milo, but we love these Milos and we, uh, we looked across and she came over with what looked like a, a pasty. And we're thinking, Christ, how good is this? Like lunch packed up a few hours ago. We we're thinking we we're going to be eating Tim Tams to get us to the finish. And uh, she brings out these pasties and we're all hoeing in to these pasties as fast as we can. And I stop and I look to the boys and I go, has anyone seen a cow the whole time we've been in Papua New Guinea? I was like, no, no, I haven't. I haven't. I said, well, boys, what are we eating? Because this looks like meat to me. So we're like still to this day, we don't know what we ate, but gosh, and gee, it was good. It was that warm something that we needed to get us on the march to, uh, to the finish. Oh, that, that's, that's a beautiful story, man. And I, I bet that, you know, the generosity of that, that woman and the people of that village kind of sit with you as you move through your day. As you mentioned, you know, the gratitude of sitting in an air-conditioned office. I mean, even just getting present to things like that can really help you when having a tough day, can't it? Oh, 100%. You know, I, uh, when we got back to, yeah, flew back into Australia, it was a, around my birthday, and I remember looking at my wardrobe going, oh, I've got nothing to wear. And then I thought, well, hang on a minute, Kieran, you've been in the same pair of board shorts and the same shirt for nine days. Two days ago, you did not care what you were in. You didn't care what you smelled like or what you dressed like or if you had a new T-shirt or a nice new shirt. Uh, it just really put things into like perspective of how much we take, I guess, for granted, um, and how much we do and don't sort of need in life. You, uh, you're a man. You, you, so that ultra marathon you ran in stall isn't the only running you do, is it? No, no, I do. Um, yeah, I do uh, a little bit of running and a lot of trail running. I love, um, yeah, I love running and I love what running brings uh, brings to a day. Uh, I like to start my day with with something I love, and, and that is running. And I find that. Um, running and physical activity is a great way, um, I guess, to help the the mental health space uh, of yourself. It's um, you know it's something that I use as a release. Whether I've had a good day, a bad day, a stressful day, or a great day, I'll always be out running. Um, and I find that that running is something that you know keeps people level. It's also something that can be very social, um, and it brings people together, which I, I really enjoy and, and love about it. When you really, really don't feel like running. <laughs> which, you know, you live in Melbourne. It can yeah. be quite wet and cold and horizontally raining and miserable. Yes. What do you yes, do when you, when you know you have to get out the door? Uh, I, uh, my alarm, Osha, you know how you can put in a little text at the yeah. end of the alarm? Yeah. Mine doesn't say alarm. Uh, I set one alarm and as soon as it goes off, I look at my phone and I get up and uh, underneath my alarm, it just says, you are better than this. So when I look at it, and I'm feeling sorry for myself and I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking, you know what, I'd like to get back to that dream where I'm on a beach drinking a cocktail. I look at it and it simply says, you are better than this. And it's just a reminder that get your ass out of bed, put your shoes on because within 500 metres or a K, 
you're going to be into your groove and you're going to be feeling good. It's just that uh, that little issue of getting out from under the covers, especially now that the weather's starting to uh, starting to turn. What about, uh, you know, some people might be listening to this and, you know, they may find themselves in the, you know, in, in the space of 500 metres might be the furthest they've ever run in their entire life. Yeah. And, and they might even, running at all might be a, a terrifying prospect. What would you say to people like that about how to even get started? Yeah, and I think the biggest thing there, you, you mentioned it, is getting started. That is the the biggest thing to overcome because I think a lot of people have, um, you know, they see the guys, I'm going to use the, the botanical gardens here in Melbourne, you know, you see your super fit guys that are hammering around the tan or you see the guys that are, are decked out in the lycra on their push bikes and you think, oh, wow, like, heck, I'm so far away from that fitness level where it's not about that. It's about you and it's about enjoying getting out within your own skin and exercising. And, you know, for the people that are scared to start, don't be scared to start. Everyone has a pair of shoes. Everyone walks at some stage during their day, whether that's in flip-flops, your business shoes, your suit and tie, whatever it may be. Everyone has a pair of shoes. The hardest thing to do is starting, but it's also the easiest because we have everything in our wardrobe that we need to, to participate in exercise. It's just taking that first step. And, and once you do take it, it's quite, uh, it's quite easy. And it's something that is quite easy to continue with. And yeah, sure. The first time that, you know, you go out for a run and you may run 500 meters and it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life, but you know what? You've done it. Yeah. It only gets, it only gets easier. And, uh, you know, that, that exhaustion you may feel from it, you know what? That's, that's as bad as it gets. It doesn't get any worse than that. You know, it just, it gets better because you're getting fitter. That's really, I, I have come back from breaks due to injury and, and work and other things. And I would always remember, or particularly if I was training for a marathon, that first day when you get back into some training, you're like, this is the hardest it's ever going to be. <laughs> Tomorrow it's, it's going to be easier than this. Even on race day, it's yeah. easier than that. Yeah, it is. It's a lot easier than that because, uh, on race day, it's almost like a celebration. It's a party. You beauty. It's party time. All I've got to do is uh, tick out these 42Ks, and at the end of it, I'm done. Like, this is fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> uh, But, you know, people listening may think, 42 kilometers, that's bananas. But <laughs> it is, as you said, you know, it could be, it could even be, you know, there's the classic scenario of get off the bus to stop early. Oh, mate, 100%. And, uh, you know, that's something that the Movember Foundation, we, we really opened up the doors to that last year. You know, uh, men have been growing moustaches for a lot of years and the most sisters out there were saying, hey, what's something I can do to be, uh, you know, to really be a part of Movember? You know, I love organising the teams and, you know, doing the cake sales and organising the raffles, um, like give us something tangible to do. And, you know, Movember introduced Move last year, the 30-day fitness initiative, and that was uh, something that we saw a lot was, you know, people were getting off the bus stop two stops earlier, simply walking to work. You know, maybe don't take the elevator or the escalator, take the stairs. Like, you know, it's making those small changes within your day that are going to impact your lifestyle going forward. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that, you know, some of our Steve Monaghetti or Robert D. Costello, you know, I'm sure those boys didn't go out and, you know, run a super quick marathon as soon as they started. I'm sure they crawled around the block before they sprinted. So, you know, it's about <laughs> stepping stones and, and starting. Mate, it's been uh, fantastic to speak with you. We end these conversations with the same three questions. Uh, you are sporting a hell of a stash right about now, but come November 1st, when you have to shave it. <laughs> it's going to be a sad day, Usher. There's going to be a horrible tambour on there. Yeah. <laughs> What, what sort of mo do you reckon you can grow in those uh, 30 days? 
I think I'm going to go for a little Tom Selleck number. Dad's uh, Dad's half Italian, so I'm not uh, follically challenged. That's hairy chest, hairy back, hairy top lip. So uh, I'll just go for I'll go for something just short and thick across the uh, the top lip. The Magnum PI. Just a Magnum cl- it up. A classic. What do your friends mean to you? Oh, mate, they mean the world to me. Um, yeah, they uh, they're absolute rock stars. They're a group of people that not only boost me up, but they, uh, they keep me grounded. Um, and I know that they're, they're a pillar to always lean on, um, as I like to think I am there for them as well. They're, you know, they're, they're not friends, they're family. Uh, and that's the way that we, we look at each other as a group of friends. And, and what's the most important quality in your friends? Their honesty, Osha. You, are, you can be spinning the most amount of BS and they will just call it straight up and, uh, yeah, tell you how it is. Uh, which is which is brilliant. It's awesome to have mates that are uh, yeah so honest and uh, trustworthy and down to earth. I guess you could say. All right, Kieran. Final question. Oh, hit me. You can pick up a magical phone. Yeah. And you can dial eighteen-year-old Kieran there in store, skinny Kieran. Yeah. Eighteen-year-old Kieran. What do you tell him? Uh, mate, I would. Uh, I'd tell him that that life is a roller coaster. You know, things happen for a reason and that roller coaster goes up and down and you're on that ride for a reason. I wouldn't find myself here working at MoHQ if I didn't go through some really rough stages, losing, um, yeah, losing two close friends to suicide. Uh, but now I have the opportunity to have a greater impact on men's health uh, within Australia uh, and the world with the Movember Foundation. And I'm, you know, so fortunate to think that now I'm here within the walls of Mo HQ. I get to work with some amazing people daily. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for your time today, Kieran. Mate, thank you very much and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. That was Kieran Ryan. You can find out more about Movember by searching for Movember on Facebook or MovemberRadio.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, subscribe each and every week to this show to make sure you never miss an episode. While this was a great conversation to have, I should point out that it should never replace a conversation that you can have with your doctor. Thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourselves. Talk to you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.